Let's go, Mark chapter 5. We're going to pick around there. Familiar story about the woman with the issue of blood. Maybe you heard that before. If you haven't, I believe God's going to speak to you through this. And then we're going to jump down to John 14 where Jesus had the audacity to say something crazy. He said something crazy that I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious? Well, let's, let's dive in. It says this. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had trying to pay them. But she just had gotten no better. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you feel like, man, I don't know if I can, if, if I can try one more time? Have you ever been in a place in your life where it took you everything to get to where at that place that you thought you were going to get healed, you thought you were going to get delivered, you thought you were going to be set free, and then it doesn't happen? Many of us have spent everything we had on a moment before today. But check out what it goes on to say. In fact, she had gotten worse, but she heard about Jesus. She got up and went to church on a Sunday morning. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. The Bible says 29, immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing, had, healing power had gone from him. So he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? His disciples looked at him and said, this crowd is pressing around you and you're asking who touched me. But he kept on looking around. She was frightened, trembling, the realization of what had happened. And she fell onto her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Your suffering is over. This woman came into contact with Jesus. This woman came into contact with the healing power of Jesus Christ. She came into contact with mountain-moving faith. She came into contact with belief that if I can step outside of my pain, if I can step outside of my fear, if I can step outside of my doubt, if I can step outside of what's hurting me, just maybe if I worship one more time, just maybe if I believe God one more time, just maybe if I read my word one more time, maybe what has taken an entire lifetime, I'll step into and immediately. And I love John 14. Because John 14 tells me that miracles aren't just for the Bible. John 14 tells me that miracles are not meant to be read. They're meant to be replicated. John 14 tells me, and Jesus, I'm going to highlight this. It says this, and I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I can do. Even greater miracles miracles than these because I go to the Father. He goes on and says that whatever you ask in my name, it shall be yours. Guess what? If God can part a Red Sea, greater miracles, he can heal your marriage. Come on, somebody. If God can turn water into wine, he can turn a troubled situation into a situation that you're going to triumph. I'm telling you, there's a wall that you've been walking around for six days. I feel like that there's a seventh day anointing up here that what you have been circling is about to fall. You shall do greater miracles. I want to preach to you over the next few minutes. Come on, Baltimore County, from this topic. Church, close. Come on, somebody. Church, 
Close. Look at the next to your person next to you and says, church, close. Come on, somebody. A faith fit. Come on, somebody. A destiny drip. Come on, somebody. A future flex. Church, close. Father, I pray that you do something amazing in this message today, that people will not leave the same way that they came in. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. How many of y'all so glad you don't have to wear old school church clothes in church? Come on, somebody. Boy, I got up this morning, I was thinking about wearing a four-piece suit. And I changed my mind because it was hot. Come on, somebody. But I grew up in church. I grew up in, 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 in old school church. How many of y'all grew up in church? Any of y'all grew up in church? Come on, Baltimore. Came out. Okay, so y'all know what I'm talking about. You grew up in church where church clothes look like this. And if you didn't have this on, you weren't anointed. If you didn't have this on, you couldn't have a title. If you didn't have this on, you didn't have the proper uniform on. In fact, I grew up, what they call it, Sunday's best. And y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm talking about the night before where your, your mama tell you, go lay out your church clothes. And, you, and it better not be wrinkled. So you go up there with that iron, and you take that spray starch. Come on, somebody. Couldn't nobody bump into you because they get cut. <laughs> church clothes. And to the world, they could tell that we had an encounter with God on a Sunday by the uniform that we wore inside the building of the church. You know, in our church, you could also tell by when hair was out of place. Come on, because it was 10 Jericho marches. There was a fire tunnel. Come on, somebody. Where people would lay their hands out and people would run through and they'd pray for them. Like old school church. Like if you left without your makeup, you know, just wrecked, you ain't had church. And I was wondering, as I read this passage of Scripture, the Bible says that this woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, that she touched Jesus, not in a church. But there was gospel in the garment. There was faith in the flex. There was an anointing in the drip that Jesus had on. But it didn't happen in a church. But yet he had on church clothes. I grew up. Where, you know, after church, you go to the buffet. And everybody knew that you was from church at the buffet because you had gravy on your soup. Church clothes. The uniform that you have been with Jesus. You had a title with church clothes. And I remember uh, 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 years and years ago when I had this revelation that, that if this woman touched the hem of the clothes Jesus had on, what would people with issues touch today? People that never come inside a church. People at your job. People on the metro. People that live in your neighborhood. Because if what I'm wearing is Sunday's best, then, then maybe I just go to church and I'm not actually the church.
Does my life represent a life that's not judgmental? Is my heart more relational than it is religious? Is forgiveness just for me, but I don't offer forgiveness to people who don't deserve it. But I just forget that I didn't either. Church clothes. Man. I want to wear a garment of the gospel. You see, we can easily see the savage acts of God in the Old Testament. Where Red Seas are parted and, and, and walls came tumbling down. We can see four Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stand up for righteousness in the fire and not be burnt, not even their clothes. These are miracles. These miracles get closer to us as we read the New Testament. And we see Jesus turn water into wine. We see Jesus get some mud and spit in the mud and put it in somebody's eyes who was blind and now he sees. We see Jesus heal Jairus' daughter. We see Jesus heal Peter's mother-in-law. We see Jesus heal Lazarus. And yet, in John, they're saying, you shall do greater things. Uh, church miracles are supposed to be mimicked. The Bible is not fiction. We're supposed to do greater things. We're supposed to have greater garments. We're supposed to not just go to church, we're supposed to be the church. But many of us in our church ideologies, we come into the room, or maybe you've never been into the church before, and you're not mad at God, you just don't like his people. Because church clothes represent judgment to you. Church clothes represents a bad attitude. Church clothes represent that you had to stand in the prayer line for the most anointed person. And you ever learned that you can pray for yourself? Church clothes. You see, I believe that when that woman touched the hem of Jesus' garment, it wasn't about his garment. You know what? She touched the kingdom of God. This garment had the gospel in it. They were, these were clothes of the Great Commission. This fabric represented freedom. His robe was a robe of restoration. These clothes were not just worn in a temple. They were worn in the crowd. I wonder that when we take off our Sunday's best, do we also take off our grace? Do we also take off our righteousness? I'm speaking to myself. I'm not trying to come at you. I'm coming at me. I, I'm just wondering. It is so easy to say blessed and I love you in church. And then we get betrayed and we don't realize that that person that betrayed us. It's also an opportunity for them to touch the garment of the gospel of our forgiveness. Ooh. You see, the Bible says that crowds follow Jesus. I started thinking about that woman with the issue of blood. Do you know that the Bible said that she had an issue for 12 years? Come on. 12 years of isolation. 12 years of fear. 12 years no hugs. 12 years no conversation. 
Come on, no social media. She can't scroll on Instagram. 12 years of doubt. 12 years of spending everything she had trying to get well, and now she's broke. 12 years. And the Bible said she heard that Jesus was on his way. How did she hear? She's isolated. How does she hear? She doesn't have a phone. Could it be that when the kingdom of God shows up, it calls your pain? Could it be when the kingdom of God shows up, everything that doesn't look like God stands up at attention? You ever been in church and, and you just feel better? It's not the music. It's not the haze. It's the atmosphere of the kingdom of God that speaks possibility. It's the atmosphere that drips faith. It's the atmosphere, come on somebody, that is a yes and an amen. It's the atmosphere of resurrection power. We just celebrated Easter. And do you know that on Easter that Jesus went on a three-day journey to get the keys to the kingdom, to unlock your purpose, to unlock your future, to unlock your destiny? And you don't have to stay the same way. That you came in. When you read this passage of scripture, it gives you hope. I was thinking about this word kingdom. And if you read all throughout the New Testament, you'll hear this word kingdom. In fact, when Jesus started his ministry, it says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What's the kingdom? Pastor, that sounds like a King James word. I mean, I go to King's Dominion, but I don't know about the kingdom. Kingdom. What is the kingdom? Is it for the Old Testament? Is it, is it for just church people? No, 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 no. I just want to give you a quick understanding of the kingdom. Come on, Baltimore. It, it, it's really two words, the king's domain. Somebody say king's domain. What it really is, is it, like today there's going to be baseball games, and today there's going to be basketball games. You know what they're going to sing? You know, I mean, say, they're going to get up and they're going to say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what happens is, is they can't transaction, they can't make a transaction with what they just prayed because they don't understand what they just prayed. When you, whenever you pray for the kingdom uh, uh, to show up, what happens is heaven, the atmosphere of heaven comes to earth. Heaven is not a place that you're just going to go to when you die. You can have heaven in your marriage right now. You can have heaven in your children right now. You can have heaven in your household right now. What is it? It's the atmosphere. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. When the kingdom shows up, the power is displayed. When the power is displayed, the manifestation of God's presence makes you go on a winning streak. The kingdom of God shows up. It is God's rulership. It is God's domain. It is, it is God's love in the totality of God's love. Do you know that God doesn't decide to love? God doesn't wake up and say, you know what, one day I think I'll love you. God is love. The kingdom is. You don't have to perform for the kingdom. When the, when the kingdom shows up, it performs for you. It's the kingdom. It's the atmosphere of heaven. I get a chance to travel, and, and, and sometimes I, I, I'm traveling. Like, like last week, I was gone for like a whole week, and I was in three different cities preaching God's word. 
And you realize that when I'm in three different cities preaching God's word, when, when I go to travel, what I got to do is I got to look on my weather app. And I look at my weather app because I got to prepare for the culture that I'm not in right now that I'm going to be in. And so I got sometimes, like last week, I got to wear, I got to pack a sweatshirt, shorts, sweatpants, come on somebody, a tank top, because there's so many different environments that I'm going to be in. So what I got to do over here is I got to try to decide how do I fit all of this to get there. <laughs> how many of y'all are professional packers? Come on somebody. My wife cannot believe that I can get all of those clothes in two pair of J's, come on somebody, in a carry-on. I'm rolling stuff. I'm making it tight. Ah, come on, I'll duct tape something, somebody. Ah, I stuff underwear and shoes and T-shirts and shoes. Ah, I do everything I can do to get it over there. You know what happened? What happened all the way since the beginning of time in the book of Genesis when man was created? God was trying to get the atmosphere of heaven to mankind. He was trying to bring heaven to earth. And he said, I got this joy. I got this freedom. I got this love. I got this patience. I got this faith. Come on, somebody. I got this dance. I got a, 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 a sound mind. And I got to figure out how do I get all of this over there to earth? I need a package. Oh, okay. He says, I, got, I need a package. I got to package all of that up. So he tries it through the tabernacle. And he's telling Moses, he says, build a tabernacle. And they've got these garments that they're trying to place where the presence of God will show up. And, and, and that is not enough. That's not sufficient. So he takes it from the tabernacle to the priest. And the priests have to dress up in Sunday church clothes. Come on, somebody. So that they could be acceptable enough to make sure that everybody was right and atone for their sins. That didn't work. So he takes it to the prophets. The prophets start declaring and speaking words to people. The prophets have on prophet garb, but that garb as humanity. That doesn't work. God is silent for 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, and then he's working on a plan. He's packing a bag. Come on, somebody. He's saying, I got to get something to earth. How am I going to get all of this heaven to earth? I got a good idea. I'll put it in the heart of a man. And so he puts it in the heart of a man. And, and Jesus takes a journey. Come on. Jesus takes a direct flight from, from heaven down to earth. But he's carrying all of the atmosphere of heaven. And he walks down to earth. And he says, oh, if you're going through pain, I got that. If you're going through struggle, I got that. If you're going through depression, I got heaven with me. And he packages it up. He came in the form of a man. And then he died on a cross. And he says, I got a better plan. I'm not going to do it through a place. I'm not going to do it through the priests. I'm not going to do it through man's plan. I'm going to put it inside of you. In other words, it's not something that you'll get inside of and wear. It's something that will be on the inside of you. Your kingdom garments is on the inside of you. Your priestly robes are in, are, is on the inside of you. You are carrying, come on somebody, heaven to earth. I'm telling you, when you're at work, you're carrying heaven to earth. When you're in the mall, come on, you're walking the mall, 
king me. Come on, some of y'all walking, you got jacked up on, you got flip-flops on, you got shoes on, you didn't brush your teeth this morning, but guess what? You still got an anointing that has authority, that can take territory. Come on, somebody, you haven't dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's, but king me. You are anointed. You are walking with authority. Every place that your foot treads shall be yours. You are bringing the atmosphere of heaven to earth. With a carry-on. Some of us feel like, I can't take all of this with me. And we check the atmosphere of heaven when it gets cumbersome. Have you ever lost your luggage? Come on, somebody. See, what I love, I don't like to check a bag. Because I don't want other people handling what's mine. I, I don't want other people handling. Come on, single people. That's why you can't just marry anybody. You, you, you got to be careful who's handling the kingdom. Who's handling? Come on, somebody. And some of y'all been all up in it trying to handle. You need to get your hands out of God's plans. But I'm telling you, he has given you a carry-on. Know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am kingdom. The kingdom going to get a dozen crabs after church. The kingdom. Heaven on earth. I am his package. I was thinking about this. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I love like the old school. Before there was DVD, there was something called VHS. Some of y'all don't know nothing about that. <laughs> the first VHS uh, 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 that I watched, and I remember uh, we had a, uh, a VCR. Y'all know what that is? It, I'm talking about before there was wireless remotes. There was a string connected to the remote. remote. Come on. Come on, Baltimore County. Y'all in Baltimore County, y'all better know about that remote. <laughs> and I remember watching the first time I watched Michael Jordan come fly with me. Now I know there's some LeBron fans in here and some Kobe fans in here. But be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. It don't rhyme with LeBron. But I remember the first time I watched Come Fly With Me. It, get, it made me think that I can do what Mike could do. I asked my dad, go get me a jersey. I remember my first pair of J's. Y'all, do I have any people in here that when, you, that when you were a kid and you got new tennis shoes, you just thought you could run faster? Come on, where y'all at? Come on, you put the jersey on, you thought you could jump higher. It was like you had supernatural power. Come on, Baltimore County. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And so I remember saying, yeah, I want to be like Mike. And we had a basketball hoop outside. I just watched. Come fly with me. I got outside. Come on, somebody, with my jersey on, with my J's on. And I started jumping about this high off the ground. I was trying to mimic Mike, but the only way I could mimic Mike was to lower the rim. And I came to tell you, come on, somebody, this morning, Union church, if you want to do what Jesus did, if you want to do greater things, you're not going to lower the rim. You're going to lower the realm of heaven down to earth. You want to see blinded eyes healed? Lower the rim. You want to see deaf ears open? Lower the rim. You want God to work in your marriage? You want God to work in your heart? You want God to absolve diabetes and cancer? We got to learn how to take atmosphere and pack a bag for the see-nothing seasons of our life so that we can get in a see-nothing season and start speaking those things that already be as if they already were. Come on, look at the person next to you and says, be like Jesus. 
you shall do greater things. Red seas parted, blinded eyes open, marriage restored, walking in freedom. Don't let your past hold you back. Your past has nothing when the kingdom of God shows up. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Come on, somebody. The kingdom shows up. I want to be a part of that kingdom. It's crazy to me how we're in the crowd with everyday people and we're trying to figure out what garments do people with issues touch. You see, the priest, the garments had to be perfect, but I'm not very perfect. To the tabernacle, the measurements had to be precise. My past has not been very precise. God, how do you, do I create an environment where people can touch my healing? God, how, how, how does the dad who walked out on me, where I don't trust men anymore, How can that man I'm believing God for now not represent my father and touch the hem of my garment where we can have the life that you created us to be? You got to lower the realm. I was thinking about this as I preached this message. I was studying for this. There were actually two types of people in the scripture. If you, if you read this passage of scripture, you, you, you must realize that it wasn't the woman with the issue of blood who actually attracted the kingdom. It was actually a guy named Jairus. And in Mark chapter 5, 21, it says, Jesus got out of the boat again and went to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently to him. My little girl is dying, he said. Come lay hands on her so that she can live. Here's Jairus. He is a temple worker. He has the best clothes. He has the best garb. He, he's rich. He has the most expensive garb. Isn't it crazy that Jairus was doing work for Jesus but didn't have Jesus at home? Don't be so busy, man and woman of God, of doing work for God that you think is a, a substitute of time with God. So here's a guy, he's attracted the kingdom, and here's a girl who's also in the crowd attracting a kingdom, and she has covered up her bleeding with linens, and they both have church clothes. That's why I love the vision of Union Church. We've got all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds. We've got rich people and people that are on their way to being rich. Come on, somebody. We've got white people, Hispanic people, black people, Asian people. I love the fact that what God is doing is that we're all a part of the crowd. And their desperation woke up expectation in their garments. I'm telling y'all, what Jairus shows me, it's not about what God does in the four walls of a church, but around the four corners of the earth. You know, I grew up in the church with church clothes. I grew up in a church where we had the B3 organ. 
I grew up in a church, old school preaching. Come on, somebody, church was 10 hours long. Three altar calls, five offerings, and a fish fry after church. You was in church all day, and if you wasn't in church all day, you weren't holy. And I remember the preacher would get up, come on, somebody, and he would begin to preach, and I'm talking about old school preach, right? I'm talking about the Lord is about to move on your behalf. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here to tell you that God is a healer. I'm here to tell you if he did it before, he will do it again. Same God right now. Same God back then. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what is stole from me. No weapon formed against you will prosper. I'm talking about old school church. And then the preacher would say, can I get a witness? And the people, come on somebody, come on Baltimore County, would begin to make some noise. And somebody would go and leave their track at the altar. Not the music track, their hair track. And the preacher would say, can I get a witness? And this side would say, yes, pastor, I'm with you, I'm here you, and people would stand up, and people would start prophesying, and they would say, can I get a witness? But then I was introduced to Acts 1-8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. It's not about getting a witness, it's about being one. Can I preach right there? Come on, somebody. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Problem is, is, it's easy to be a witness in church. Hard to be a witness in the mall. I'm good with Jerusalem. I'm okay with Judea. Samaria? But uttermost, you want me to wear garments to people I'm not comfortable with? You want me to be a witness to lost people and broken people? They hurt me, uttermost. They lied on me, uttermost. They said that they never hurt me uttermost, and you will be a witness to the uttermost. I'm not talking about getting a witness. I'm talking about being a witness. I've never preached this scripture this way. What I felt the Holy Spirit say to me is, can anybody touch your garment? Uh, how many of y'all got issues? Come on, raise your hand. Come on, you're like, yeah, I got issues. Some of y'all ain't got your hand up. That's your issue. Right there, come on Baltimore County, that's actually your issue. But this woman with 12 years of issues, y'all, 12, she's 12 years of issues. Guess what? If you read Jairus' story, his daughter is 12 years old. God, why is the number 12 so redundant in this passage of Scripture? Because 12 is the number of government. 12 is the number of the order of the church. And if you remember Isaiah prophesied when Jesus was coming, and you shall call him Emmanuel, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. What I'm trying to say is a kid ushered in a kingdom for us to walk in freeing power of Jesus Christ. And it is time for us to display the kingdom, number one. How do you display the kingdom? You got to be stitched 
was serving her. Stitch, your garments, your life, is it stitched with servanthood? Has God woven the culture of heaven in your salvation? The Bible says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. You guys, I had a revelation. I had a revelation from God. I was so into building my kingdom. Can I just be real with y'all? Before I started I-5, I went to a church. I spent more time customizing a suit than I did a sermon. I spent more time planning an outfit than I, planned, than I prayed over the message and the people. And I remember being in the middle of the Rift Valley on a, on a missions trip and God arrested my heart. And he says, you're selfish, not selfless. He said, you're all about building your kingdom, not the kingdom of God. It's all about you. And I remember in that moment, I repented. And I'll never forget, I was at, I went to an orphanage, and there was this little girl named Ann Blessed. And now we have the Union Children's Center with 27 orphans in that as you give, you are feeding people, and they're touching the hem of the garment that you'll never meet. Today. Right now. And there's this little girl, Ann Blessed. She's standing next to me. And I had no idea that that was a moment for her to touch my garment. They had never had pizza. And so I got this good idea. Let's go into the city and get pizza, Brian. Went to the city to get pizza. They, they were holding the pizza. I'm giving you my revelation. And she looks at me, tears coming down her eyes because of pizza. This was an orphan who was thrown in the trash. And she said, Pastor, God is faithful. I said to myself, if me giving you pizza is the faithfulness of God, I'm going to make sure for the rest of my life that you never go a day without a meal. And that little girl touched the hem of my garment. And I, 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 I went from selfish to selfless in that moment. I called my wife. I emptied out our bank account. I made sure every single person in that orphanage, we bought them a new kitchen. We bought them new furniture. I went home broke, but something broke in me that said it is not about the stage. It is about serving people. It is about being the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. You have to be stitched with servanthood. Number two, you've got to be hemmed with healing. She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. I found out something. As I read 2 Samuel, I hadn't said this in any other service. There was a woman named Hannah. Hannah was in a house and she was barren. And there was another woman named Penina. Penina wasn't. They had a, a husband named Elkanah. And, and, and Penina would torment Hannah because Hannah had no children. And Hannah was weeping because she had no children. And then something transitions in her when she said, God, if you give me a child, I'll give it back to you. You know what that says to me? I felt it in this moment. If you change what you're praying for, God will change 
the situation. What, what, what happens is, is she's not praying for herself to be healed. She's praying to birth a healer. And when she birthed Samuel, Samuel was the one that anointed David. God began to use Samuel. See, some of us, your season hasn't changed because your reason hasn't changed. When you change the reason of what you're praying, then the season of what you're praying in shifts. In other words, God doesn't want to heal you for your marriage. God wants to heal you so that somebody, you have an anointing for somebody who has a broken marriage to touch the hem of your garment. It's not about you. It is about healing. God wants you to be hemmed with healing. Number three, he wants you to be fit for forgiveness, and I'm almost done. You can pray, Sean. Fit for forgiveness. I found this scripture in, in, uh, in Colossians chapter 3. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Wear the garments of compassion. Wear the garments of kindness. Wear the church clothes of humility. Wear the church clothes of gentleness. Wear the church clothes of patience. But with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Man, you know what I believe? That some people can't touch the hem of our garment because we don't think that they deserve the forgiveness that we have accepted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, man, for so many years, y'all, I was stuck in unforgiveness. I was preaching messages about forgiveness, and I could name about 15 people. Come on, somebody who I was like, no way. They do not deserve it. Hmm. And the Lord began to tell me, no, 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 no. The fact that they betrayed you, the fact that they hurt you, was a gateway for them to get closer to the Him that you're actually anointed for them to touch. See, some of you right now, you can think of people right now in your life, come on, Baltimore County, that don't deserve forgiveness but you have no idea that God allowed it to happen to you so that forgiveness could happen through you. Man, I'm bearing my soul to y'all today. I was bound, man. I wore church clothes. I stood behind a pulpit. I preached messages. I traveled the world, and I was jacked up. But I've learned to be relational, not religious. I've learned not to judge people because they sin differently than me. I've learned to be a pathway of purpose as people can touch the hem of my garment. I love to go shopping, and, I, and, and, and once I went shopping, and, I, and it's not this hoodie, but I kind of like this hoodie. It just don't fit. I don't know if I wouldn't look good with a crop top. Come on, somebody. I had belly all hanging down here. And I remember getting this shirt home. Paid for it. Amazing. I couldn't wear it. Got it home. Got it out of the bag. And the cashier left a little tag on it. I'm talking about the security thing. That little plastic thing that's the enemy in disguise. I paid for it. I'm ready to wear it. I'm ready to put it on. And I'm all the way home. I went in Tyson's. I ain't going back to Tyson's. I called a store. She's like, you got to bring it back. I'm like, I ain't coming all the way. You going to pay for my gas? I get a little ghetto sometimes, y'all. Don't judge me. So I did a deep theological study on how to take the tag off. Hey, Siri, 
Hey, Siri, how do you move the tag? And I got these two forks. I turned the forks backwards. I put them on the pen, and I started to pry the forks. Y'all don't do this. Don't blame that ink on me. And many of us have been trying to work our salvation. But I already paid for it. But guess what? You don't have to remove the tag. Pastor, what are you saying? What I've come to find out is the jacked up, messed up, ratchet part of me. It's still a part of me. It's just a testimony now. So I don't need to remove the tag. You don't need to remove the shame. You don't need to try to clean your name up. You need to put down shame and pick up your story and says, I'm going to go ahead and rock this. Paul said, I'm not removing this thorn. Uh-uh, I'm going to let this thing stay with me because this thing that stays with me, it actually drives me to my knees because it's already been paid for. Can I encourage you that the garment that God has given you today, the garment of salvation, it's already been paid for over 2,000 years ago. And guess what? You don't have to keep coming back to church like over and over and just for the purpose of trying to remove the tag. The tag has already been removing. I'm telling you, God, I, I believe that somebody's gonna walk in purpose, that somebody's gonna walk in destiny, that you're gonna start to transact with church a different way. You are the tangible hands and feet of Jesus. I feel that for you, Baltimore County. And I'm letting you know that God's been fit. He's fit you for forgiveness. And the last thing, He's tailored you with a testimony. My God, can you imagine this woman with the issue of blood? 12 years. She ain't talked to nobody. Her voice probably, she probably needed a, a VIX. Come on, somebody. Locked up, isolated for 12 years. But I've also found out that my garment, I love this passage of scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Isaiah 61, because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty for the captives at the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance to God, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Watch this. And a garment of praise for the Spirit of heaviness. You guys, when I got ordained to be the, the senior pastor of I-5 Church before we came together over 10 years ago, I went to a tailor. Somebody get me a custom suit. Come on, somebody. Two-inch cuffs, big leg, wide legs. I had some mezzelins on. My dad paid for them. And, and I couldn't wait to get a suit fit just for me. And I went back to that tailor, and I was right up against the deadline. The service was that night. I went to the tailor. I got my suit. And when he made the suit, he made it with a blemish. What was I going to do? I couldn't get another suit made. And it was like right here on my leg. I'm telling y'all, I had one leg shorter than the other. You know what I just decided? That's how he made me. So I'm going to go ahead and rock it. Y'all don't hear what I'm trying to tell you right now. I am standing before you. No lie. You guys know our story. My wife is five and a half years sober of alcohol. I'm five and a half years sober of a food addiction. I have dyslexia. 
I have a, a, a learning disability. I have anxiety. I talk to Pastor Stephen about these things all the time. But you know what I just decided? I'm going to go ahead and rock it. I am tailored with a testimony. I came to tell you, come on, Baltimore County, that God can use your greatest misery for your greatest ministry. And there are people in here that says, yeah, go ahead and touch my testimony. Go ahead and touch my garment. This garment is filled with the gospel. This garment is filled with the kingdom of God. I dare you, Union Church, to get on your feet and God and begin to give God a praise right now. Come on, somebody. You may not be where you want to be, but somebody needs to thank God that you're not what you used to be and say, God, look what you have done. I, I can't believe that I get to do this. I can't believe that I got kicked out of Bible school three and a half years for putting a guy in the hospital because he said a racial slur to me. And now God is using me in racial reconciliation all around the world. I can't believe it. I'm trying to tell you guys, I don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be where you are. But guess what? God has chosen us to go ahead and rock the garment that we have right now. God, I want to pray for you, Father. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice at Baltimore. Everybody here at Columbia. And Father, I want you just to raise your hands right now. If there's areas that right now that you got issues in, God, I want you to turn these issues into a testimony. These things that have been bothering us, God, we want to be broken before you. That you use it for your glory. God, that broken people can touch our story. That broken people, God, can come into proximity with the kingdom of God. Father, use us. Help us. Strengthen us. Your word says that when we are weak, you are strong. So we lean into our weakness so that we can lean into your strength. In Jesus' name. And maybe you're here and you feel like the woman with the issue of blood. You feel like you're far away from Jesus. Maybe this is your first time in church. Maybe you've never seen an environment like this or never been in an environment like this. I, I want to give you a secret that there's something called freedom and deliverance and salvation. In fact, if I had a big old fat reset button up here, you'd say, man, I want to reset my life. I want to repurpose my life. Those weren't goosebumps that you felt. That was the power of the Holy Spirit saying, come. And as you take steps towards him, he'll take steps towards you. And if you're in this room right now and you say, man, pastor, I I want to know the God you're talking about. I came to let you know that there's nothing that you can do for God to give up on you. And the kingdom of God is in close proximity to you today. And you can hit that button by saying this prayer. And if you'll just say this prayer with me. I believe that the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you will be saved, that you will be saved. There's a turn. There's joy coming. It's the best decision that you could make. Come on, let's pray this prayer. If that's you, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, deliver me. Father, heal me. Father, set me free. Father, today, I, I stop trying to control my life. I stop staying in the four walls of isolation. And today, God, I take steps towards you to touch the hem of your garment, to free me, to deliver me, to heal me. Today, I'm saved in Jesus' name. And everybody said, a good 
Amen. Come on, Baltimore County. Come on, Columbia. Can we celebrate all the people who made a decision to come into the family of God? Welcome home. Come on, let's do better than that. Let's give God some praise.